0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU podcast. Thank you all for joining me. In this episode, I will begin to preview the SEC West, starting off with Alabama and Ole Miss. As always, you can find the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other major audio platforms. If you are viewing this on the 60 Feet 6 Inches LSU pod YouTube channel, please make sure to like, subscribe, and comment. On Twitter, the account is at... 60 FT6IN LSU Pod. That's at 60 FT 6IN LSU Pod. Make sure to follow and hit that notifications bell as well. You don't want to miss out on all the content that's still to come before the Tigers take the field at Alec Box Stadium to kick off the 2023 baseball season. If you missed the last episode of the pod, I previewed Missouri and South Carolina from the SEC East. I predicted a 6th place finish for the Missouri Tigers going 9-21 and in conference play. I predicted a 3rd place finish for the Gamecocks with a 16-14 and SEC record. So a little bit of a sleeper there in the SEC East. Of course, that episode is linked on the Twitter account, either podcast or YouTube form, and I will do the same thing once this episode is complete. So let's get into it. First up in the SEC West Tour is the Alabama Crimson Tide. So in 2022, as y'all know, we'd like to do a quick review. Last year, Alabama finished 31 and 27. They went 12 and 17 in the SEC. They finished sixth in the SEC West, and their season ended in the SEC Tournament. No regional appearance this year for the Tide. In terms of some overall 2022 team statistics hitting, they were eighth in the conference with a batting average of 279. They were last in slugging percentage. They were second to last in on base percentage. At 362, they were 13th out of 14 teams in terms of runs scored, 10th in hits, 13th in RBIs. Look, I've said it before. You can see where I'm going with this. I've said enough stats, but they were not a very good hitting team last year over in Tuscaloosa. Pitching for 2022, they were 8th in the conference in team ERA with a 4.63 ERA, 7th in opponent batting average, 12th in the number of batters that their pitchers struck out. They gave up the six most hits, but interestingly enough, they gave up the fourth fewest runs and earned runs in the conference, but they gave up the most home runs. So a little bit of interesting uh, contradiction there in terms of their numbers. One thing to note is Alabama is probably always going to give up a lot of home runs just because of the ballpark they play in. Very similar to Tennessee's ballpark. I like to call them a bandbox. Just think of a little bit bigger high school ballpark, and that's what Alabama and Tennessee roll into every home series. When you look at their fielding numbers, they were fifth in the SEC with a fielding percentage of 981. They also committed the second fewest errors in conference, so very impressive. And to put that in perspective, LSU had twice as many errors as did Alabama last year. So overall for 2022, not a good hitting team at all. Pitching was very average, but they could play some good defense behind them so to to help keep uh, some of those runners at bay. Looking ahead to 2023, as you all know, first we'll look at the Schedule both non conference and in conference. They are ranked by Division I baseball, coming in at number 20 for the 2023 preseason rankings. They have a three game series with Richmond at home to kick the year off. Then they have an interesting road trip. You don't see this very often from teams from the South, but they're going all the way out to Malibu, California to face Pepperdine. I've heard that's one of the most beautiful college baseball scenes in the country, overlooks the Pacific Ocean. So Hats off to you, Alabama, for getting peppered on the schedule and making that road trip. When you look at their SEC schedule, they have very tough games right out the blocks. Two of their first three series are on the road. And all they do is take a trip to Gainesville to face Florida, and then a trip up to Northwest Arkansas to face the Razorbacks. So at Florida, at Arkansas, first two out of the three first weekends in SEC play. Then they have a really tough four. Game stretch towards the end of the year where they face LSU, Vanderbilt, AM, and Ole Miss in back-to-back weekends. LSU Vandy, AM, Ole Miss. All top 10 teams. If you look at the majority of preseason polls out there. When you look at their transfer portal, how did they do in the portal this year? They had four players ranked in the top 50, so very impressive by Alabama. Those guys were a pair of teammates infielder Ed Johnson. From Tennessee Tech, who hit 367 with 14 home runs last year, and his teammate outfielder, Ryan Guardino, also from Tennessee Tech, a lot of pop as well. He hit 16 bombs last year and well over 300. They brought in a pitcher from UAB, and they also brought in Florida's backup catcher, Mac Gassette. Get into how Alabama's gonna shake out for 2023. First, we'll preview the hitters and then the pitchers. Let's talk about some of their key losses. So, who did they lose off those 2022 20, rosters? The first guy from a hitter's perspective is Caden Rose. He led the team in batting average last year at 326. Then they lost their power hitting third baseman, Zane Ditton. He actually transferred to Tennessee, so he'll be staying in the conference. He led the team with 13 home runs, 48 RBIs. He hit 263 on the air. He struck out a lot, a big power guy, a lot of strikeouts. He led the team with 67 Ks as well. And then to follow that up, they lost Owen Diodate, who had eight home runs on the year. But they do bring back some nice returners. When you look at the infield, they bring back first baseman Drew Williamson, hit 301 with nine home runs and 47 RBIs. They bring back their shortstop, a little spark plug, Jim Jarvis. And they also bring back another infielder in Bryce Eblin. To go along with those infielders, I usually lump in the catchers. So they bring back their starting catcher as well, Dominic Tamias. He hit 289 last year. So when you look at the infield side of things, the Tide did a good job. You have three starters coming back to catcher, and then I'm sure Ed Johnson from Texas Tech will slide into that, excuse me, from Tennessee Tech will uh, slide into that infield rotation as well. When you look at the outfielders, this is where the most experience comes from, in my opinion. You have two starters back, two guys who really led the way last year for the Tide. You have Andrew Pinkney. He really makes these guys go, he's going to hit in the middle of the order. He hit 303 last year with 14 doubles and seven home runs. And then another outfield starter you had that is back this year is Tommy Seidel. So he hit 302 on the year. They bring back a part-time starter in the outfield as well. His name is Will Hameter. So you look at those three guys with Hameter, Seidel, and Pinckney, and I'm sure Pinckney and Seidel are already penciled in. Then you bring in another Tennessee Tech transfer, Guarantino. So that outfield's stacking up pretty good in my opinion. But – I think what's really going to make this team run this year, and they have the potential to surprise some of these other kind of quote unquote SEC powers, is their pitching staff. When you look at the number of games started last year for Alabama, so that was 58 games started. They bring back every person who started a game in 2022. Their biggest loss occurred in their bullpen. So who did they lose? They lost closer to Dylan Ray. He had eight saves on the year and 18 appearances, and then they lost Brock Guffey, who led the team with 20 appearances and a 3.82 ERA. So they'll lose Ray and Guffey out the back end of the rotation. But what they didn't lose, they didn't lose anybody from the SEC weekend rotation. So in 2023, they're bringing back Garrett McMillan. 16 games started, 86 innings pitched, Jacob McNary, 12 games started. 72 innings pitched. McNary had a six and two record. And then they bring back left-handed pitcher Grayson Hit. He had 14 games started, 60 innings pitched with a four and three record. They also bring back another guy who started a lot of games from the last year, another left-handed pitcher Antoine Jean, five and one with six games started. So you look at that. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, boom, they're locked up already. Now they also return some middle of the rotation guys, some midweek guys. They don't have a ton of eye-popping stats, but they had a lot of experience. So these three guys right here averaged 16 appearances in 2022. These guys are Leje, Holman, and Fritado. So you can see why a lot of people are bullish on Alabama this year while they're ranked in the preseason top 25 by a couple of different polls. And it's mainly going to hinge off those experienced outfielders, a couple of guys on the infield, but that rotation is absolutely locked and loaded and ready to. You know, improve upon 2022, in my opinion. So for the 2023 prediction for the Alabama Crimson Tide, I really want to see how they come out of non-conference play. How do they do making that big trip out to the West Coast, and how do they start off SEC play? Like I said, at Arkansas and at Florida, two weekends out of their first three SEC series. So how they cope with that environment and those teams is going to be very telling. And then if they're able to hold on and tread water, how do they do? with the back end of the year when they play LSU, Vanderbilt, AM and and Ole Miss. Can they steal one or two series from those guys? I'm sure they're going to play them tough just with the pitchers that they have. But um, And I'm also curious to see how these Tennessee Tech transfers slot in. And you may roll your eyes, but Tennessee Tech always has some big power numbers. They're kind of always on the cusp of a regional. And when you look at Ed Johnson, he had 367 with 14 bombs. Gordino in the outfield, 330 now with 16 bombs, so obviously 30 home runs between those two guys going to Alabama in that small ballpark. I don't see why he couldn't hit double-digit home runs again for this team in 2023. So I think arm talent's going to lead the way. Therefore, I predict Alabama to go 14 and 16 in the SEC conference this year and finish sixth in the SEC West. And I'm high on them, but you'll see in previews to come, I really think the middle of the SEC West is gonna be dog eat dog, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a battle every weekend. I think the top and the bottom will kind of slot themselves out, but the middle is really a coin flip. All right, moving on to the defending national champions, the Ole Miss Rebels. First time in program history. So hats off to my former coach, Mike Bianco. Won a couple at LSU, but uh really proud to see what he's done at Ole Miss and the success he's had. Obviously, I know it's one of LSU's rivals, but uh, put that aside, I'm happy for my former coach. So he did a lot for me in my career. So to finish up 2022, obviously, we know they won the College World Series. They went 42-23, and 14-16 and 16 in SEC play, which is good for fifth in the SEC West. They actually lost the SEC tournament playing game. A lot of people didn't think they were going to make a regional. But lo and behold, they went to Coral Gables. They won the Miami regional. Then they go to Southern Miss, and they win the Southern Miss regional. Once they get to the College World Series, it was almost like the SEC all over again. They beat Auburn, they beat Arkansas twice, and then in the finals, they swept Oklahoma. So just a banner year for Ole Miss and a team that's been kind of on the cusp and on the edge, and a lot of people are starting to chirp, but in the end, they get it across the finish line and win the College World Series last year. 2022 team statistics, when you look at their hitting, they could swing it, and they had a lot of pop. They were only ninth in batting average but they had a high slugging percentage at 489, which is good for fourth in the conference. Third in RBIs and in runs scored. Uh, They hit a ton of home runs last year. They hit 108, which is good for fourth in the SEC, but they did strike out a lot, which probably doesn't surprise you. You know how it is nowadays in baseball. High power numbers, a lot of swing and miss rate, high strikeout numbers from those hitters. When you look at the pitching staff, they were really the top three or four in a ton of categories. So hats off to that pitching staff last year. Fourth in the conference in ERA, fourth in opposing batting average. They struck out the second most batters in the SEC last year. Third in saves with 18. So very impressive what they did in terms of a staff. And you really saw those guys hit their stride really after the LSU series. In terms of fielding, abysmal. They were not good in fielding. They had the 12th worst fielding percentage in the conference at 972. They committed the third most errors, and they actually turned the least amount of double plays, which is surprising when you see who their shortstop second baseman combination are and the fact they're coming back for 2023. So I'll be interested to see how their defense plays out this year. When I look at their schedule, you know, they're preseason ranked by by every poll out there, but there's some disparity. You know, D1's got them fourth, college baseball, collegiate baseball, excuse me, he's got them sixth, but then they're 24th in another poll. So they're ranked just with some varying opinions. In terms of their non-conference, they basically play a whole big 10 slate. You know, after the non-conference, they may be able to declare themselves Big Ten champs. They play in the Cambria Classic in Minneapolis. They play Maryland, Nebraska, and Minnesota. And then they play a three-game series with the top 15 team in the majority of the polls. And they also play a three-game home set with Purdue. So continuing that theme and those Big Ten teams want to get down to that warm weather we have down here. When you look at their SEC schedule, it is crazy. They have a six-game stretch where where I don't know if this game stretched like this in the entire country. Ready for this? At Vandy, Florida at home. At AM versus Arkansas. Arch rival state. So they're at Starkville. And then they have LSU coming to town. So once again, at Vandy, Florida at home. At AM, Arkansas at home. At state, LSU at home. That's gonna be nuts. I don't know how much the non-conference schedule is gonna tell them about themselves, but I know that uh that that six-game stretch is going to tell them a lot and tell Mike Bianco and his staff, you know, if they're ready to roll this year. There, that's for sure. In terms of their transfer portal, they had three portals, excuse me, three players ranked in the top 50 by baseball America, two in the JUCO top 50, and they're the eighth-ranked incoming freshman high school recruiting class. Some big time transfers that they had, they grabbed. Ethan Groff from Tulane, a big power hitter. He hit 404 last year with nine home runs and 35 RBIs. They also grabbed a first baseman from the Big Ten to replace Mike Elko, who left. That is Anthony Talarco. He's from Northwestern. He hit 325 with a lot of home runs. He hit 13, so another power guy. They grabbed Ethan Leger, who started off at Nichols, then went to Delgado. Leger, 15 stolen bases, hit 3.99 on the year. And then they grabbed a left-handed pitcher from Division II Indianapolis. But last year, all Xavier Rivas did was go 7-0, a 2.24 ERA, and 128 Ks. Now, it'll be interesting to see if that, he can translate that success into the SEC. Obviously, a huge jump up in competition. But some pretty impressive portal guys with Groff and Calarco and then Leger filling out the infield. Now, when I look at their hitters, I, they lost a ton when it comes to hitters, especially in terms of leadership, experience. They were really I don't know, an older team last year, a senior laden team, not only hitting wise, but pitching wise too, which we'll get to. But 49% of their home runs and 55% of their RBI production just went out the door. They lost Kevin Graham, 335 and 11 bombs. Justin Bench, 316. Tim Elko, I called him the wrong first name earlier. Apologize. Tim Elko, 300 average, 75 RBIs, and 24 bombs. So, almost near the top in the SEC, just a couple off the lead, actually. They lost Hayden Leatherwood, and they also lost Hayden Dunhurst. So I read somewhere where Mike Bianco said, out of the people that participated in the College World Series for Ole Miss, they returned, 20, they returned 50% of the innings pitched in the College World Series, and they returned 50% of the ABs. So we're just going to have to wait and see how that plays out this year. But they, what they do return is All-American shortstop Jacob Dallas. Gonzalez is a projected, you know, top 10 to 15 pick in the Major League Draft this year. He hit 273 with 18 home runs and 52 RBIs. So he has a lot of pop from the shortstop position, kind of a bigger shortstop. They also returned his partner up the middle and second baseman Peyton Chatagnier. Chatagnier had 11 bombs with a 248 average. Part-time infield starter Reagan Buford. And then they returned kind of a part-time starter a catcher. Calvin Harris, and all he did was hit 336. So he he started a good amount of games, and I know they're excited about him in Oxford this year. So on the infield, you got Gonzalez and Chatnier up the middle, um, excuse me, Harris behind the dish, and then Buford's going to slot in somewhere. And then you got the transfer from Northwestern. Kalarco is just going to move right over to first base. So the infield looks pretty well rounded out. In terms of outfield, the big guy they bring back is center fielder TJ McCants. Now he didn't swing it very well last year, 236 average. You know, that's, that's not great. And eight home runs, but he's a true gap to gap center fielder. So he's going to chase down everything. He's going to lay out for balls and he can flat out go get it in the outfield, but swinging the bat, we've to see his improvement this year. And they also bring back another power guy, DH outfielder, Kemp Alderman and Alderman hit 286 last year with 11 home runs. So it looked pretty, pretty good on the infield in terms of experience in the outfield. I don't know how much Alderman's going to play outfield, but they do have McCants, and I'm sure they're going to pair him with the two lane transfer, Groff, who hit 404 last year for the Green Wave. So they look, they look pretty well rounded. And obviously, those guys are coming back off a of college World Series, so they have a ton of experience. But my concern for the Rebels is what does their pitching staff look like? They only returned 16 of the 65 games started last year. And those 16 games, two guys account for those 16 games. So if I'm a Rebel fan, I'm worried about the pitching staff. This is outside looking in, but when you lose Dylan DeLucia, Friday guy. Derek Diamond, Sunday guy. John Gaddis, Jack Washburn, ton of experience, ton of appearances. And then they lose the shutdown closure they had in Brandon Johnson, 24 appearances, 12 saves. That's a huge piece off the back end. That dude was fiery, emotional, a big-time leader, and amazing stuff. And when he came in, he just slammed the door. So I don't I don't know how they're gonna work it out this year with the pitching staff, you know, and this is why, because yes, they returned their ace, left-handed pitcher Hunter Elliott. Freshman last year as a sophomore, he's gonna move into the Friday night role. Last year as a freshman, five and three with a 2.70 ERA. Truly impressive for a freshman in this conference. 80 innings pitched, 102 strikeouts. Even more impressive, way above that one-to-one ratio that we talk about here at 60 feet six inches. So Check Hunter Elliott, Friday night guy. Then I'm sure the Saturday guy will probably be Jack Doherty. 17 appearances. He did start four games last year. So between him and Elliott, those are all their starts coming back. 44 innings pitched, 61 Ks for Doherty. So good stuff. Mason Nichols is back for 2023, 21 appearances. Josh Malitz, 17 appearances with a 1.45 ERA. 31 innings pitched, 48 Ks. And I mentioned him because he looks like he could slide into that closer role vacated by Brandon Johnson. So the big question mark to me is you got Hunter Elliott. Do you slide Doherty into the Saturday role? And if so, does Xavier, uh, Xavier Rivas, the D2 transfer, who is left-handed, does he slide into the Sunday role? And if he does, how does he handle that role? Everybody knows Sunday is just an absolute free-for-all in the SEC. It's all hands on deck. You know, last year we had a starter go one out on Sunday before they made a pitch and change. So it'll be interesting to see how coach Bianco handles that staff. Who's going to close the door for them and who's going to get the ball to them. You know, you can only rely on Hunter Elliott so much. They're going to have to have other guys step up. 2023 prediction from me over here at 60 feet since 6 LSU pod. I do have some concerns with this team, potentially in the mound. I was, obviously I just went over that, but man, everybody is very excited about them. But I'm kind of the contrarian here. I think Ole Miss is a little overhyped, and I think they're a little overrated. I know they bring back Gonzalez and Shotenier, and they bring back McCants and Alderman, but none of those guys hit over 300. And some of them did have double-digit home runs. But you know, can Shotenier, who hit 246, I think, and McCants, who hit 236, are they going to protect Gonzalez and Alderman? or Are you going to assume that Groff, the two-lane transfer? And then Calarca, the Northwestern transfer, are going to protect Gonzalez and Aldrin. That's my concern. But from a pitching perspective, who's going, to, who's going to carry the water besides Hunter Elliott over there? They're going to have to have some guys step up and take on bigger roles than they did last year. And also, you can always ask this about teams that just came off a national championship. How hungry are they? Did they work just as hard in the summer as they did before? Did they push themselves just as hard in the fall? Do they get a big head? they got to know they have a target on their back. Everybody's going to be gunning for them. Just ask Mississippi State from the previous year. It didn't do go go too well for those guys in Starkville in 2022. I just – I can see things going a little sideways in Oxford, especially with that six-game stretch of Vandy, Florida, A&M, Arkansas State, and LSU. If the pitching doesn't show up, I mean, you're looking at one and twos right there across the board. I mean, can you get more than eight wins out of those series? I, I don't know. I don't know. So with all that being said, this isn't necessarily a hot take, just my honest opinion on Ole Miss. I have a ton of question marks. Therefore, I think they're going to go 15 and 15 in the SEC this year, and I pegged them at finishing fifth in the SEC West. There you go. I said it. I am down on the Rebs this year, not buying all the hype. So that's going to do it for the SEC West preview of Alabama and Ole Miss. Thank y'all for tuning in. As a reminder, like, subscribe, comment to the YouTube channel, Follow me on Twitter at 6 dft 6 Pod. This pod will be available on Google, Apple, Spotify, all the other major audio platforms on deck. Continuing with the SEC West preview, we have Auburn and Mississippi State. Until next time, stay safe, and as always, go Tigers.